Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. No man. No man. Only Jesus. He is Almighty God. (laughs) There's a lot of people that think of Jesus as a man. He came as a man. He is God. You know, I like the uh, choir special that uh, was sang at the beginning of the service. Not one word of God has changed. Every promise still remains. Who he was, he is today. You guys believe that? All right, then as we study this word, you got to get serious. Amen? Got to get serious. I say that. It's, uh, we ought to always come to the Word of God with seriousness. We're going to uh, come back today to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, such a powerful, to, to has been in my own life at least over the last month or so, such a powerful, rich, rich passage in the Word of God. That, uh, that every day I live becomes, I think, becomes more and more important to us. I'm not going to preach the whole passage again. But, uh, but uh, for Caleb's youth or any of the rest of us that just come to church like once in a while, right? i got to preach a little of it again because you might not have heard it before. And I know that most of you guys are so faithful and I appreciate that. But uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you, God, understanding and knowing that only your Holy Spirit can teach us, God, your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray that we would might be encouraged. I pray that we might be convicted. Lord, I pray that we might be changed. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, I'm in 1 Peter chapter 5, um, verse, uh, beginning in verse 6. And it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, or He may lift you up, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Every promise still remains who He was, He is today. Amen? Same, same God. And honestly, I believe that, uh, that this truth takes us back to, you know, to, to worship, to our view of worship. You know, to the, I mean, the passage of Scripture that I read before, that from Genesis 1, we see a Creator that, that deserves to be worshipped. We know that He's coming back again as judge and in glory, and He deserves to be worshipped. And then all throughout the in-between are His instructions to us. His teaching us about Himself that should be meaningful 
to us. You know, as we understand and we grow in our knowledge and view of God, then we have a proper view of ourself. Humble yourself, Peter says. One that understands that the mighty hand of God will lift him up. That's a God to be worshipped. Therefore, we trust him. We trust him. We cast all our anxieties and we cast all our cares on him because we know that he cares for us. This eternal God that never changes. Who, who the Holy Spirit through Peter penned these words all those thousands of years ago is the same exact God that we love, that loves us today. For you, for me, today. Peter goes on in verse 8, and he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him, firm in the faith. Because we are children of God, Satan is our adversary. He and his schemes are intended to destroy people, all people. I've preached this for two weeks. They're intended to destroy people, all people. Unbelievers through keeping them in darkness and bondage to sin so that the light of the gospel can't shine forth in their light, in their lives. And even to believers, his intention is to come at us with every temptation, with every evil thing. That, that our lives might be fruitless, gloryless towards the kingdom of God. Everything that he says is a lie. John 8, 44, he was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus says, and he has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Peter says we are to resist him. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. James in James chapter 4 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. See, there's, therein lies the keys. The keys to victory, the keys to resisting the devil are simply to draw near to the God of this book. Understand who he is, what he's done, and that he's coming back. Why we have an enemy that comes at us, we must never forget that Jesus, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, has already defeated the enemy and ours. His enemy and our enemy. So for us to live victorious lives over the enemy and live in the blessings of God, we submit to God, we resist the schemes of the devil, and we stand firm in the faith, drawing near to God. Right? Okay, now that's the end of, the, that's the end of, that, of, of that passage in... In First Peter, that that I'm gonna that I'm gonna preach. Our Lord is victorious, and as such, He has provided victory for us. Right? I mean, we we should not live defeated lives. We are children of God. 
Paul goes on to say in verse 9, Knowing, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, why would, why would Peter add that comment to resist the devil? Does it make any difference that people are going through the same stuff? Do you think it makes any, does it make any difference to your life knowing that there, is some, there are people going through the exact same stuff that you are? Absolutely, it should. It absolutely should make a difference. Peter says, knowing that, that, that that's the same kinds of suffering, I mean, all kinds, the same kind of trials, the same kind of suffering, are being experienced by your brothers all over the world. Sometimes I know that we feel, we think that we are the only ones that are dealing, Bill and I, in fact, talking about that this morning, right? That we're the only ones dealing with something. And then the reality is, if we... If we talk about it, we share a little bit. We find out, you know what? I'm not nearly the only one going through stuff, right? In, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, in the Living Bible, it says this, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's nothing new. There's nothing new. Every, everybody, lots of people going through the same things. And Peter tells these believers that they are not alone. I'm sure they felt alone. He says you are not alone. Others are experiencing it too. You know, folks, this is one reason why the church is so important, right? Others, others are there for us. And church, it is the reason why it is so important that we understand that life is meant to be lived in a community of believers. Not a believer in the world out there by himself, but together. Because we, we bring each other strength. We bring each other encouragement. We bring each other help. And, and can I tell you that the church, now, now I'm talking big church, God has gifted people in His church to help in so many ways. So many ways. You know, as I just think about um, folks that have been through some of the stuff that, I, that I'm aware of, you know, a program called Grief Care. Right? Uh, I mean, there are churches all over our area that offer, you know, 12 week, uh, I'm going to say program, but a 12 week kind of study or help through people that have experienced loss. Right? And it doesn't matter whether it's a loss of a spouse or a loss of a parent or a loss of a kid. And you know what they have found? They found that when they go to those kinds of things, that there are people there that really do understand when they thought nobody else understood. And you know what? That is an arm of Jesus. They have the same types of things for divorce care, for help with addictions, for marriage relationship help. The church has help. God has help when we're there for each other. I even saw a sign in Mustang, help for anger management. 
You guys seen that church that has that on the sign? Help for anger management. I'm not, I'm not sure what's up with that, but you know what? God has gifted his people to help. And Paul says, I mean, and Peter says, you don't have to do it alone. There are those you have like brothers all over the world that are experiencing the same things. There's help. And then Peter wanted them to remember some glorious truths. Peter, Peter closed this, um, this letter on a positive note. And he wanted, he wanted them to know that God knows what he is doing and that God is in control no matter what is going on in the life of a believer. A Christian has hope. A Christian has hope. And, and he, Peter gave several reasons for this attitude of hope. I want you to look at it in verse 10. It says, And after you have suffered a, while, a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He says that we have God's grace. A God of all grace. Apostle Paul had a similar kind of thing. He says, God of all comfort. We also read God of all mercy. God of all grace. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's favor. God's delight in you. He says, God of all grace. We're not only saved by the grace of God, which we are. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not a result of works that no man should boast. So our salvation is certainly a product of the grace of God, only, only the grace of God. Our ability to believe is of the grace of God, God's grace. But, but the grace of God extends to so much more than just saving us. Right, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the grace of God is sufficient for all circumstances in life. All circumstances in life. My grace, 2 Corinthians 12, 1, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. In fact, he says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Surprise, surprise, the grace of God operates at its greatest level when you're at your weakest. Oh, the mighty grace of God. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says, Let us then with confidence or boldly draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The God of all grace, there to help in whatever it is that we need. That's our God. He goes on to say, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The second reason that the Christian has hope. Not only do we have God's grace for every situation, but we also know that we are going to glory. 
We're going to glory. Paul, in, in writing to the Romans, in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, just lays out God's plan and promises for those that, that he has called. He says, for who, whomever he predestined, he being God, these he has called. And whom he has called, these he has justified. Made just as if I have no sin. Justified, to be made right with God. Those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, these he also glorified. Do you see how it's even, it's even written in the past tense? To God, it's already a done deal. To God, my place in heaven and glory is already secured. My mansion's probably done. Right? I mean, it's a sure thing. I am secure in the hands of God. <laughs> Amen. He says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Not something you deserve, not something you do. Only through faith in Christ. Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The God of all grace, the God of all grace will restore. Your Bible may say to perfect. It, is, it means to bring to wholeness, right? It's the word that is used in Scripture several times for mending the nets. The God of all grace will restore you. You know, when the Old Testament is taught, you know, that uh, the, what, what the locust has devoured, God will restore. You know what? It doesn't matter what circumstances look like. The God of all grace doesn't say He can restore. It says He will restore. The God of all grace will restore you. Then it says the God of all grace will confirm you. To fix firmly. The believer that is established will not be swayed or moved by trials or, or led away by some wind of doctrine that, that, that's going about. Right? The God of grace will confirm you, will establish you. Remember, we, we, have, we have seen in this earlier passage that, that, we, that we, resist, we resist the devil firm in our faith. That's what this is a picture of. The God of all grace will make you firm, will confirm you. God of all grace will strengthen you. You don't have to face life and its issues and trials and stuff alone. The God of all grace promises His strength. His strength. And there is nothing... Impossible for God. Nothing is to be impossible with God. We are upheld with His mighty hand. We, we, we trust in His mighty hand. We cast all our cares on Him. God of all grace, strengthen you. Then he says, the God of all grace will settle you or establish you. The Greek word is to lay a foundation. 
What comes to mind and to me is Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is teaching and he says, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Settled. And the rain came, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Experienced all kinds of storms and struggles and trials and stuff, but, but it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Do you see what Peter is teaching these believers that are going through trials? You have Christ, and when you have Christ, He does it all. He is enough. Oh, what a God we have. God of all grace who has called us to be His children to His and for His eternal glory who restores, confirms, strengthens, places us on a firm foundation to withstand any storm, overcome any scheme of the devil. Victorious Christian life. It causes Peter to break into worship. Because he closes this passage of of Scripture in verse 11 with this. To him, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says, God is ruler over all. God is sovereign over all. He has dominion over all. All, it doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter what trials you're going through. It doesn't matter what suffering, what persecution. God is over all. Do you know that God? Do you worship that God? You know, and... One thing that I've just that I've been struck with this week is is my worship of God based on what he does for me or who he is The only the the most I guess the the highest worship of God would be that we worship God first and foremost for who He is. All of the wonderful promises of this book that are the same now as they were then, the same God that promises strength, that promises glory, that promises to establish us, that promises victory and the ability to resist is, is the same. But it's because He is God. And I've just been a little convicted, I guess, that sometimes perhaps I worship God first and foremost for what He does for me. I heard a message one time by a guy named John Piper, and he made a statement that I can't really get out of my head. I've thought about it a lot. I mean, it's been 20 years ago probably that I heard it. But he says, if, if I am God-centered, 
only because God is man-centered, then I'm really just man-centered. The promises of God are true and they are sure and they are a reason to worship Him. But the, but the primary reason to worship God is because God deserves our worship. He is God. We don't come to Him just because of what He gives us. And His gifts are great. He is a God of grace. He is a God of giving. He is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of all of these things I've been preaching about this morning. But, but first and foremost, He is all by Himself as Almighty God. And we should worship Him. And it should be our goal in this place to worship Him. Yes, we come to learn about Him. We come to know more about Him. But I pray, you know, especially in these weeks as we let it up to Easter, and really always, that when we come to this place, that we come to worship Him. We do that through prayer. We do that through lots of different ways, through singing, through study of the Word, through a... Believing a faith that trusts what His Word says. These are glorious promises for us. You know, I'm going to have Wayne come up and Wayne and, and our instrumentalists come up for an invitation. And I guess my, my question would be twofold to you this morning. Is do you have the kind of hope that Peter is teaching. Have you responded in faith to His gracious call to give your life to Him, to trust in Him for eternal life? To trust Him to forgive you of your sin and usher you into your place in glory? Experience life as a child of God, these wonderful promises and things that we've talked about, they're not for everybody. They're for the children of God that have trusted in God and believed in Him and submitted their lives to Him. That's who these promises are for. They're not for all of mankind. But this morning, if you're here and you sense God's effectual call on your life, the call that, that says... Come to me. Repent of your sin. Come to me. Give your, turn your life over to me. Let me live my life through you. Then you know what? Then in this invitation, you need to come and confess Jesus as Lord. There may be others that have done that at some point in time. But you'd have to say, you know what? Right now, my life is not submitted to God and I am not resisting the devil and I'm not living in the hope that Christ died to give me well you know what he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness you may need to come maybe you need to join this church maybe you need to be baptized Whatever it is that, that the Holy Spirit of God... See, the Holy Spirit of God is a powerful voice. You, can't, you won't miss it. You may say no to it, but you won't miss it. 
You obey. Because there's victory in obedience. Amen? Stand with us as we sing. I Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.